We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, DVTPFL. It's Wednesday. It's October 14th. It's 2020. And we're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk some esports and some college football on today's podcast. And I'm joined by Sean Newsom, PSU fans too, over here at Roto Grinders. Him and Fear My Turtle run the specialist package at Roto Grinders. So if you've played college football, College basketball, soccer, MMA, esports, WNBA, NHL, um, any what tennis? Um, you're you're probably familiar um, with Discord and Sean. Sean, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, not too bad. Uh, getting everything set up for the week, then working through the midweek stuff. It's the first week we have some Wednesday college football games, so just getting everything set up, ready to go. Let's um let's get started here with a little background on you. Um you have like you've adapted to these niche sports so much. Um you know you you've done really well with NHL, college football, you've done good with soccer. Uh you and you and Fear My Turtle have done great with esports like, you know, just give me a quick background on yourself. Yeah, so I started actually I worked in junior hockey before I even started DFS and then like 8 years ago I got into uh 
DFS, actually probably closer to nine years ago. And throughout the whole process, I've just sort of been more interested in uh, more effort-based sports and smaller sports. So like NFL, like I play NFL, but uh, NFL just doesn't take tons of effort because the news is readily available. Whereas sports like college football, you have to dig really deep to find the information, which just gives you a much bigger edge than the field. So I've sort of prided myself over the years on like whenever anything new comes about, I'm willing to play it and willing to try it. And if I I feel there's a good enough edge, I'll continue playing. If I think that the volume is good enough to sustain, um, I'll continue playing. So it's really a thing where I'm one of the few people out there that will give almost anything a try uh, within reason. So this pandemic kind of made me pretty popular and made me a person that was of interest to quite a few uh, different sites and different people because I just of what my background is with all these sports. So going into the pandemic, I've never really looked at League of Legends, never really looked at CSGO, but then soccer was still going. But I'm pretty good at adapting to whatever is thrown out there and figuring out sports uh, quicker than other people has generally been what I've been able to do. That's awesome, man. No, I trust me. I'm right there with you. Like pandemic hit and I was writing League of Legend and CSGO articles, you know, six, seven days a week. So um, I feel you on that one, but uh, it's been fun. You know, it's awesome to see like the esports stuff kind of sticking around. We're about to see like sports kind of really slow down again, like baseball. You know, we're we're in the championship series games and, you know, basketball just finished. Football is you know, we got Monday, Thursday, Sunday, but really like we're looking at some college football to keep us going on Saturdays. NASCAR only has four more weeks left. So, you know, we're getting to the point where we're probably going to be talking more esports and stuff like that again. So here we go again. I know like CSGO is so huge in like Europe that like there's always something going on um, for CSGO and League of Legends, there's so many, though, there's four different major regions for League of Legends. So there's always something going on for League of Legends, it feels like as well. Um, you know, we're, we're dealing with the League of Legends worlds right now. And we have some really decent contests over there on DraftKings. Like, so we're looking at a two game slate for this League of Legends slate that starts on Thursday. First game is Thursday, 6 a.m. The second game is Friday, 6 a.m. This is... The quarterfinals, um, so we have, we'll start with the Thursday game. We got DWG against DRX. This is a two Korean teams kind of, you know, facing off against each other. Game theory is going to be huge on this two-game slate, Sean. This is not going to just be all the best plays or the best plays. Like, it's a two-game slate. It is very top-heavy tournament payouts. Yeah, that's uh, the best thing to do with the two game slates is they're sort of a different animal. And, and that's what I've sort of been enjoying with League of Legends is it's it's really like a game theory type sport where you have a two game slate and you're looking at a situation where people in general, they don't know much about these sports. So they're just playing the, the big heavy favorite. Well, if you only have two games and everyone's playing the same people, it gives you a situation where you can easily just pivot and get yourself differentials by just going a different path. Um, so it's been something I've been looking at for most of the last few months in these smaller slates where you have a team like JDG in, in the game on, on Friday, they're minus 158, Sooning's plus 129. I, I feel JDG is going to win. I prefer JDG in that match. However, 
you're going to get sooning at a much reduced ownership a lot of the time. Uh, similarly, you have DRX plus 441 on Thursday, the game we're going to look at first, and you have Dam one at minus 612. Well, the thing is, is generally the betting markets for this stuff has not been that sharp in general, um, and it's not been extremely strong. So you have a team that's like around like, let's say like 550 or whatnot. Well, the, the difference in ownership is going to be substantially greater than that. You're going to see like 20 to 1 ownership towards Damwon compared to that of DRX. So it's a situation where, let's say you think DRX can win a 5 to 1 match. I don't necessarily think they're a 5 to 1 underdog. Uh, it's probably a little bit closer than that. And all of a sudden you're getting them at 20 to 1 because you have 60% of the field that's playing Damwon and you have 5% playing DRX or something similar to that. So I think these short slates in League of Legends is a great situation to just look at game theory and realistically the results you think are going to happen and who you think is going to win might not matter as much as a situation of this is where the ownership's going to go. I know I can differentiate here and I'm going to do so. And it's really a really a solid thing because otherwise you see these massive GPPs and they're still really big, but they're split a hundred ways. So you splitting a GPP a hundred ways really doesn't get the job done for you. You want to be solo or with two or three other people and really winning a big share when you win. Yeah, for sure. You know, when everyone's playing the favorites, all it takes is one of these underdogs out of the two games that we're going to have on the slate uh, to win. And like the thing that is also kind of interesting here is, you know, when you're looking at this slate, for instance, like Chinese LOL typically scores more fantasy points than like Korean. Like we see closer, bloodier games. And like for DFS, you want bloody games and LOL. Like what game is going to be the bloodiest? That's the game I want to attack. And like JDG is probably the better team, but Sunning's a team that can easily have a monster day and win you everything um, because of what these guys are like capable of doing. Um, so Let's uh let's start with the first game, you know, looking at Damwon and DRX. Um, what are you looking at here for this slate? Yeah, so I think that Damwon's very likely to win. For me, Damwon's probably the best team in the world. Um, it, it's probably them or JDG, honestly, but I would probably lean Damwon in that situation. However, DRX is going to be the extremely low-owned situation on this slate. If you want to get out there and get on the team that's going to be severely less owned than everyone else, you're going to look at DRX. So I, I think from a GPP perspective, DRX makes more sense. I think you're probably going to get them at about five to 10% the ownership of what Dan Juan's going to be. And they're only going to be a five to one dog. So I think that you want to look at DRX for GPP purposes, cash game purposes, you're looking at Dan Juan. Um, and then the other thing to look at with this match too, is a situation where if you're capping Dam One, and let's say you want to play a Dam One four-man stack with JDG, the two chalked teams on the slate, you're probably not able to play it with an ADC or a mid or probably even a jungle captain. You're looking at like a top or support, which is going to generally score lower. And especially when you're looking at a best of five situation, you want to have the stronger players that are out there. And if you can cap a mid compared to that of a support or a top, you're going to average more points per game in a win. So I think DRX from GPP perspective, I think Dam one from a cash game perspective is what you're looking at here. Yeah. I honestly, like you probably want to do everything you can to get showmaker in there in your cash lineup. Like he's probably the best player on the entire slate. Um, so 
definitely want to be looking at him here. I think like he's the guy you're you're trying as hard as you can to get in there in cash games. So um let's go to the other game. Like like you said, JDG is a very good team. They're definitely top three in the world. Um but the the other the thing that's interesting about this match and, and like the other match too there's history like these teams have played each other like jd jd gaming and sunning are both chinese teams and they've played each other this is not like they're very familiar with their type of plays there's a lot of you know matches between the two and like that could potentially help for an upset here and you know that's what we're looking for like if you're playing gpps you're looking for an upset here yeah, you're looking for an upset, and you're looking for a bloodier game. Uh, this match is expected to have a total of 27.5 per game compared to the damn one match at 25.5. And, and that's another way to differentiate as well, too. If you're looking at a situation where you want to play damn one, let's say you really want to play damn one in GPPs for one reason or another. A different way to di differentiate compared to a four-man damn one stack is to stack the four-man in this game and to play, let's say, a four-man Suning or a four-man JDG, and then bring it back with a three-man uh, DRX. Also, or sorry, damn one. Uh, also, you could look at a situation where, let's say, you think JDG and Suning goes five games, which is very realistic based on the odds that are presented for this match. If it goes five games, you could possibly have a situation where maybe one or two people on each team are in an optimal based on how everyone builds their lineups in league of legends, anything that isn't like a four, three stack or a four two one stack. If there was more games is very unrealistic, but in a situation like this, let's say damn one goes out, wins four, nothing or wins three, nothing. And they have really solid games. All of a sudden this soon in JDG goes three, two. And one of the games is really bloody in a loss for the other side. All of a sudden you have two teams that end up with very similar score lines and maybe you have a situation where you're looking at the two teams and you have all of a sudden Loken and Wanfong are within two points of each other, despite one of them losing 3-2. It could be a situation where then you have a 4-2-1 stack in this matchup that has guys on both sides. So I think that's another way to differentiate yourself. And I don't normally advise that. However, in a matchup that is super close, that is expected to possibly go the distance, it's a reasonable way to look at things. Yeah, you know, you don't typically build that, but this is also a two-game slate. This is also best of five. It's not best of three like we're used to, you know, seeing. So I could see any type of roster construction win this. Like, it's 4,700 people, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it is a mass multi-enter tournament. So, you know, if you're chasing, it's 33% to first place. Like, if you're playing this shock blast you're 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 playing for first place like you're you're doing everything that you can and a unique roster construction is always a great way um to be different in any type of dfs sport that you're playing so you know if you're playing like the power spike hundred dollar you know you might see a, a 421 do well in that too so you never really know um it's interesting it's always fun so I, I don't think like there's not too much more to talk about as far as like the League of Legends side of things. Um, it is going to be a fun slate. If you are interested in playing it, there is the specialist package here at Rotor Grinders. The projections are posted for that. You got, you know, 6 a.m. on Thursdays. So you got plenty of time to build lineups for that. So you can see 
plenty of ways using lineup HQ on how to be different um, with this slate, using your groups, using your stacks, stuff like that. So make sure you're checking that out. Let's uh, let's talk some college football. We got a Thursday night football game for college football. It's like uh, no NFL. So, hey, here we go. Coastal Carolina um, going up against it's Louisiana University, right? Like U- University of Louisiana. Yeah, Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns is what it was. I don't know if it's still that name. There we go. So let's talk about this game. Um, listen, we don't have Thursday night NFL, so we know we're going to have plenty of people playing you know, college football on Thursday night. And you, as someone that loves playing college football, that – you know, goes above and beyond, you know, as far as like trying to find research and stuff like that, you got to be, uh, you got to be excited about having some Thursday night college football, even though it's a showdown slate. Yeah, it's nice. We actually, we get the Wednesday game. This game's the Wednesday game. Wednesday, you're right. You're right. Yeah, we get, we get a full load of college football this weekend. And there's actually, I think there's been a college football game most Thursdays, but no one really is playing because of the NFL, but this week we have nothing. And the Thursday night game is actually a fantastic game too. But yeah, this game on Wednesday is also a really good game, and it's it's you got a few teams here that are very concentrated with what they do and how they will play, and that makes it appealing from DFS perspective because you know who you want to play and you know who you really need to get in from each team. Well, let's talk about this uh, Wednesday game. Uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll maybe we'll give the maybe we'll give the people a little bit more and do um, maybe the Thursday game too to have some fun with this. Um, since you said like the Thursday game is so fun, so let's look at this Wednesday game. Um, you don't have to give me everything here, but what are we kind of looking at here on this Wednesday game? Yeah, so Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, well, I guess I will start with the basics. Uh, you have the Coastal Carolina is plus seven against Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette runs a lot. They have a three-man backfield that they generally share a lot of load with, and then their quarterback's a a mobile quarterback but won't take off. A difference that people will see between college and NFL is you get quarterbacks in college that are athletic, and they get 100, 150 yards rushing and three or four touchdowns, which you just don't see in the NFL, and you'll see a lot higher scoring. But uh, Louisiana Lafayette is getting their leading rusher, uh, Elijah Mitchell, back this week, and he's priced like that. Uh, he hasn't played for the last couple weeks, and the most safe running back for them is actually going to be Trey Regis, who is a significantly amount cheaper at like 6,600, and he will generally get 12 to 15 carries. Generally, they, they have the three of them get about 30, 35 carries between them, and they share them relatively evenly, but uh, the back end of that monster is is actually going to be banged up in Chris Smith, and he may or may not play. He's questionable right now. But Louisiana Lafayette will probably win this game. I think they're a better team than Coastal, and they will run the ball a lot. And then on the Coastal side of things, uh, they have a very mobile quarterback in Grayson McCall who has ran for about 30 or 40 yards each game, and he's a pretty solid mobile option. And then their leading runner is C.J. Marable, who is a guy that gets – heavy volume in the rush game and get some great target share in the pass game as well. He probably has about 10% market share in the pass game. And you're probably looking at like 16 to 20 touches on the ground for him as well. All right. Um, Are you worried with how many running backs they have? Yeah. I'm always worried when Louisiana Lafayette is on the slates, unless they're a big favorite. Um, the plus side for them is that you're going to get the ball on the ground. They're going to run the ball. So you don't have to worry about a massive passing game for them generally. However, 
when you have three running backs and you have, let's say, 35, 40 carries and it's split relatively evenly, it sort of limits your upside. I remember looking at it in the preseason and uh, Elijah Mitchell last year, like never had more than 18 carries. Regis had never more than 18 carries. And they had situations where guys were banged up at times last year. So they like to rotate and they're not really used heavily in the pass game. So you have a bit of a capped upside. So um, a unique situation in this game is sort of the best captain plays are probably on the team that's a seven-point underdog because they're just more consistent and you know what their volume is going to look like a little bit better. Seven-point seven, seven point favorite, Coastal Carolina. Um, you know, they they look a little interesting here just kind of looking through this team. Um, like, do you think you could potentially see a lot of Grayson McCall as captain here? I think a lot of people are going to tend to gravitate towards McCall as the captain or Marable. And then I think on the other side of things, people generally tend to gravitate towards the favorite and Louisiana Lafayette is the favorite. So if they're gravitating towards Louisiana Lafayette, you're looking at a situation where I think Trey Regis could get some captaincy ownership because he's such a cheap option. And to really get some of the hot end guys playing a cheaper craft and might work out. So I think we're going to look at some Trey Regis from Louisiana Lafayette captains. And then if people are on the guys on coastal Carolina, you're looking at Maribel captain and you're looking at Grace McCall captain and people generally tend to go towards the quarterback. So I would say the McCall is a guy that people will go to, but if I look at my projections, our projections have McCall and Maribel like three or four points different. So it's a situation where I definitely prefer either of them compared to like a guy like Levi Lewis on the other side of the ball because it doesn't really get heavy volume. Um, anything else from this slate that you wanted to kind of bring up before maybe we'll talk about this Thursday game as well? Yeah, there, there's not going to be tons of passing in this game. Um, neither team likes to throw the ball a heavy amount. So if you look at through the projections in lineup HQ for the game, you're going to see that none of the receivers are really projected above 12 points and you'll see three or four running backs that are projected above that 12 point mark. So uh, the biggest question going into the game is Elijah Mitchell is returning from an injury. In theory, he generally gets the most work of their running backs. So the question is going to be, is he going to go right back to the top head of their three headed monster, or are they going to continue using Trey Regis instead and ease him back in a little bit? There you go. Um, Hey, likely he's going to score a touchdown, right? Because like he scored every game this season. Yeah, he's he's very likely to score a touchdown. <laughs> like one, what one catch, one touchdown, eleven points. Um, hey, it might be enough. You never know. It's a, it's it a showdown. Might, well, might be showdown. Showdown has to be fun in college football because there's so many players that like interchange that you know there's always going to be points being scored. So let's talk this Thursday game. You said there's this game is featuring a ton of action. Um, you said, what, 70-something total in this game? Yeah, the total in this game is 70-and-a-half, and it's a three-and-a-half-point game. So, like, you have a total that's 15 to 20 points more than what you get for, like, the highest-scoring NFL games, and it's a super close game. So, you got Georgia State Panthers against Arkansas State Red Wolves. Um, if we didn't have DFS, nobody would even know this game's going on. Um, let's just be honest. Yep, very true. There would not be very many people watching this game if there was not DFS. But with DFS, this is the type of game you love because it's just a super, super explosive game with two offenses that really have some really, really nice pieces. Uh, let's talk about this one then. Um, 
you know, give me what are we looking at here from the Georgia side of things? Yeah, so Georgia State, you, you have Cornelius Brown at quarterback. He is a mobile option at quarterback, which generally you want in college football. Uh, it's hard to really explode compared to the NFL. NFL, you get a guy at quarterback that gets you like 25, 30 points, you're really happy. College football, that might not play. So um, a guy like Cornelius Brown probably is going to throw the ball 30, 35 times, and he's probably going to carry it 10 to 12 times. So he's definitely a guy that can carry the load in terms of the pass game and the rush game, which is a nice thing to have. And he's priced relatively cheap compared to everything. They sort of price this game down compared to that of the game on Wednesday. Um, and then at running back, you have Destin Coates. So Stevie, how, how would you feel if I told you that you can get a running back that gets 30 touches a game? <laughs> um, how fast can I click his name? Exactly. So you got Destin Coates who has, we have him at a 51% rush market share <laughs> and he gets around, I would say you can probably expect 25 to 30 carries a game. Um, and he's using the pass game too. So if they get behind, he's not out of the game yet. And he's a guy that's going to get goal line work. He gets the touchdown. So like so far in the year, he has, um, he had a game where he had 38 touches and then he had another game where he had uh, 23 and he had big games in both of them. So he's a great option when you look at the running back core. and then the receivers are really solid as well. They don't really rotate. So one thing you'll notice in college football is there's heavy rotations on teams and you might have guys like, let's say a team plays 70 snaps in a game. You might not have a receiver over 45 snaps or a running back over like 35 snaps. Uh, this isn't really a team that does that. And neither is Arkansas state, which is, which is very nice compared to a game like Wednesday's game. Uh, so you have Cornelius McCoy and you have Pinckney. Both of them have like about a 25% target share for the team and Pinkney's more of a downfield threat. Uh, he's more of the guy that's going to go pull stuff over the top, which you can see in his last game against East Carolina. He had seven for 134 and two touchdowns. Um, and both the two touchdowns are around 40 yards. And then uh, Cornelius McCoy is actually their best returning receiver. And I actually think he's one of the better plays here because he is a bit cheaper. And the only reason he's a bit cheaper is they just haven't really used him as much so far this year. The targets are still there for him. And the snap count is still there for him. It's just been more so Pinkney's been the producer thus far. But all the underlying stats that you want to see have still been very favorable to McCoy. So you have both of those guys as options that you can use realistically. Any of those four guys I just said and be really ecstatic about it. All right. So the first thing that I realized here on Arkansas State and, you know, I, I dabble every once in a while, especially when the Gators are on the slate um, in college football. But the first thing I notice here is like two quarterbacks looking like they both play. Um, Sean, I don't like that. You you got me excited about the running back on the other side. Now I got two quarterbacks. Yeah, it's 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 rough too because they've not been winning the games with the two quarterbacks. I mean, they're two and two on the season, but generally you see teams shake out the quarterback situation, and eventually they're going to get to a situation where they will pick one and go with one but every game Arkansas State's been right around 60 40 or 50 50 and there has not been much of a difference between their quarterbacks which is not what you want to see but that's just how it's been going for them thus far and it's it's kind of disappointing because both of them are solid if, if you got one of them to play by themselves it would be a really solid play but with both of them getting so much work you can't really justify paying nine to 10 K for them. However, 
if one of them was getting the full work, they'd probably be the best quarterback of the two between the teams. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like they run the ball very often. Like this looks like a team that is going to go out there and they're going to throw, throw and throw some more. Yeah, they throw the ball quite a bit. Like you look at both of them and both quarterbacks are tossing the ball around quite a bit. Um, neither quarterback is very mobile. You're not going to get many yards from them. So between the two, you're probably looking at like 45 passes. But this is where you get to the issue is neither of them have really gone over 25, despite them getting about 45 per game. So it's a rough situation for them. I would prefer to go to their receiving core. Um, Jonathan Adams has been fantastic for them this year. He looks really good too. Like I think he's an NFL prospect. It's going to be um, playing on Sundays, possibly sometime, or he'll at least get a shot. But in four games so far, he has 43 targets. You're looking at 10, 9, 10, and 14 targets, which is a really, really strong, consistent target volume for a receiver. And it's not just like sort of possession type plays. He can be a downfield threat as well. He has two games this year where he has multiple touchdowns. Um, he had a three touchdown game and a two touchdown game as well. So I think he's really strong. And then Dahu Green is really strong as well. He missed a game. Um, otherwise, his stat line would look even better than what it is. But between the two of them, you have two really good receivers that you probably will get eight to 10 cat targets out of each. And they both are downfield threats that can really score touchdowns. Uh, between the two of them, you have eight touchdowns in four games and Dahu missed one of the games. It's crazy. It looked like uh, that bowling guy, you know, he's coming off of a good game too. And I think like anybody that clicks game logs are going to be clicking him as well on the showdown slate. Yeah, bowling is a bit more of a tricky situation. So bowling is the slot receiver. He's like a five foot ten, not super athletic kid that just isn't that great compared to Dahu and Adams on the outside. Uh, but bowling's been getting the targets. His targets have been really strong in the last couple games. I think he's like 10 and nine. Um, earlier in the season, though, he just wasn't super used. And you generally are not going to get massive targets and volume from him. So I, I think the week five game was a bit of an outlier for Brandon Bowling, but he's significantly cheaper and he's still a guy that's going to get eight to 10 targets. His targets just are not going to be as valuable as the other guys. Fair enough. Um, listen, there is so much college football stuff here. Like this was a quick breakdown of two showdown games. We have a full slate breakdown. We have the expert survey. Um, there's consensus value rankings too, right? Like, you know, yep. run me down like the college football product product. You're going to be able to do it way better than me. Yeah. So we have um, projections for every single slate that will be on the sites, which are Great projections. I between Fear, my turtle, and myself, we probably spend sixty to eighty hours a week tweaking projections, inputting different things, checking for injuries, adjusting. Um, we have CVR rankings on Saturdays for the main slates and the DraftKings night slate. Um, I think there's five of us that do that. Expert survey where there's four or five of us on. Uh, we do tags for the slates on Saturday along with the night slate. And then I've been trying to add core play tags for the showdowns, which you'll see in there as well. But the biggest thing in my opinion too, is the discord, the discord pops off on Saturdays. And if you're in there, you're going to see so much news and notes that other people will miss uh, on a given Saturday. And, and with this year with coronavirus going on and with everything that's happening, we go into Saturday with a lot of things that are 
unknowns or knowns that are issues. And then all of a sudden you find out that a team has 15 people with coronavirus and aren't playing. So being in the Discord and being active in there is a great opportunity for you to talk to people. Not to mention, I pretty much spend the whole week in there. So if people come in and ask questions, um, thoughts on players, thoughts on games, I'm always there answering questions along with all the other guys. So uh, the whole package is just a really strong package. There's so many great people involved. And it's it's really a really great package out there. And with all the other sports winding down, I would definitely recommend giving college football a try. Yeah, man, definitely check out college football. Got to do something on Saturdays. So I'm always in the CSGO Discord channel chatting. Um, listen, I, I I I dabble. I like CSGO. It's fun. So, uh, Sean, I appreciate you coming on. I'm looking forward to kind of mixing up um, what we're going to be talking about here over the next few weeks. And we'll definitely be, you know, having you on. And, guys, check out the specialist package. It's awesome. You can combine it with your core package, save a little bit of money. And the Discord on Saturdays is worth the worth the price of admission. Like there was so many things that like I changed this Saturday alone by just being in discord, you know, talking and paying attention. So um, make sure you're checking that out. It's like, I didn't even, I didn't even know who pledger was in, until the discord and like all that went down and like the dude scored 31 points. So um yeah, it's awesome. So make sure you're checking that out. That's going to wrap it up here for the specialist part. We're going to get into some baseball. Let's talk two-game baseball slate here now. We get started here with the Dodgers and the Braves. Julio Urias against Kyle Wright. Um, You know, this four-game slate or two-game slate, four teams, uh, a little bit different than yesterday's slate. Um, Because, like, we have one pitcher on the slate that is – way above everybody else like Tyler glass. Now in the second game, we're going to talk about like, he is going to be really popular on this slate. Like we saw, you know, Ian Anderson yesterday gets like his, his ownership became very high. Um, like he was anywhere from 60 to 90% in contests, but like, you know, Ryan Yarbrough was, um, pretty low owned Jose Urquidy became like the secondary chalk pitcher on the slate. He was like 40, 44%. Um, so Gonsalin was depending on the, what contest your and Gonsalin um, were the two like secondary popular pitchers. So I think that on this slate, we're going to have like one chalk pitcher and then, two you know close to the same ownership and then like it'd be interesting to see how many people play kyle Wright. so um i I guess in in that aspect of things like we do have like a pretty chalky type of day Uh, i think a lot of people are going to want to play dodgers in this spot um with glass now and either right or not right with urias or granky so let's talk about the slate um, we'll start here with Julio Urias. It's kind of the same thing that I was talking about with Kershaw yesterday. You know, like if you listen to the podcast yesterday. So I said, you know, the Braves have struggled against left-handed pitching this season outside of like Marcelo Zuna. Ronald Acuna has some good numbers against lefties as well, but he does have a really high strikeout rate against lefties this season. So it'd be interesting to see um how this how this kind of plays out um Duvall is banged up if he was in there he has crushed left-handed pitching this season so 
I do think this is a spot you Julio Urias could pitch well. His ISO is point um, zero eight um, zero against right-handed pitching this or hitting this season. He is a fly ball guy, but like this Texas ballpark kind of played like a pitching ballpark all season. Um, so I don't mind Julio Urias here. Um, I haven't decided whether I'm going to go with um, him or um Granky, but I think Urias is the better option. You know, Granky, we don't know how deep they'll let him go. They really haven't let him go and he hasn't pitched like amazing. So um, you know, I, I think like depending on the build, if you go like Urias, you know, you potentially want to go like Rays. Um because like if you go Urias and glass down with Dodgers. That's what everybody is doing on this slate. Like that, that's the chalky build on this one. So you gotta be different somewhere. Um, so yeah, on the other side, Kyle, Wright. You know, like I said, like this is the guy we're probably picking on here. I don't expect him to go too deep here. I, I don't expect him to last long against the Dodgers in this one. Five X FIP under 20% K rate, 13 and a half percent walk rate. 386 Woba to lefties, 212 ISO to lefties, under 16% K rate to lefties, and almost a 16% walk rate, 41% hard hit rates. Um, so with the lefties in this lineup and as good as the righties are in this lineup, it's just really hard um, to play or even to recommend Kyle Wright in this spot. I know he's coming off of three really strong starts against Miami. He pitched well against Boston. He pitched good against the Mets. Um, he is in good form right now. So if you want to be contrarian on this slate, you can take a shot on Kyle, Wright. And if he pitches well, you get massive leverage against the chalk stack on this slate, which is the Dodgers. And you get a pitcher that is going to have hardly any ownership on a two game slate. So for those reasons, somewhat interested, probably won't go that route, but I completely understand why somebody would. But again, like I tell you guys all the time, when it comes to playoff time, I make one lineup per day, and I just don't think that Wright is going to be in it. But I completely understand if you're playing a large field tournament on this slate, why you would play Kyle Wright because of the leverage against the Dodgers and leveraging off the top stack on the slate. So if you do play Kyle, right, you hope he goes like five or six inning, gives up a couple, you know, gets 15 to 20 points and you know, you, you get some points from both sides of this one. So, um, as far as the bats in this one, starting with the Dodgers, like, you know, same thing as yesterday. I love Corey Seager. Played Seager with Anderson yesterday. It's working out really well. Um, the Rays and the Houston Astros are still playing, so I don't know how my slate's going to end up, but like I'm sitting at like 120 points, so it's it's looking like a pretty good day. So um, I like Seager. I like Muncie. I like Bellinger. You know, you always worry about Jock Peterson getting pinch hit for. Um, because like the 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 Braves have a lot of lefties in the bullpen, so like don't just go left-handed heavy here. You can take shots on Turner, you can play Betts, you can play Will Smith, you can play some of these guys like AJ Pollock as a low-owned Dodger play that not a lot of people are going to play because it's you know righty righty. He's forty-four hundred. 
So I think that like looking at the slate, like Pollock's an interesting way to be different. And if he does get an at bat against the lefty, um, you know, you get some leverage there. So, um, you know, the Dodgers are expensive on the slate too, which, you know, makes it a little tougher to fully stack them. But I think, like I said, I think they're going to be the popular one on the slate. So, um, the brave side of this game, like I, I like Ozuna a lot here. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a phenomenal play um, at 4,200. Like even if you're playing Urias, you can still play Ozuna. Um, Christian Patchy, he's likely going to be in here. Um, like with Duvall being removed, um, you know, you would expect him to be in here and it, he's minimum salary. So I don't hate him. Like if you're, you know, trying to load up on some Dodgers and looking for some value, value, some salary savings. Um, like a lot of the core Dodger players are infielders and stuff. So, you know, if you go patchy with Betts, Bellinger, Muncy, Seeger, like, you know, it's a way to kind of even it out a little bit. So I don't hate that, but, you know, Freddie in a lefty lefty, you don't expect Julio Urias to go like super deep in this game. Um, so with him not going um, too deep in this one, I think it's really interesting to potentially look at Freeman here. He's expensive. Nobody's going to play him in a lefty lefty. Um, or, you know, Acuna, like I like if you're playing kyle right in this spot i like the idea of getting you know three or four braves in that lineup just to completely be different than everybody else so um next game we got um tyler glass now against zach ranke tampa going up against houston this is um you know this could potentially be the end like right now it's the bottom of the eighth. The Rays are up five to two. The Rays are up two to zero in the series. So, you know, Glass now on five days rest, you know, coming into this game. So, listen, you can fade Glass now if you want to. I'm not going to. This is like he is the, the closest thing to a lock we have on the slate. Um, absolutely love him in this spot. Love him here. Um, I love this spot for him. I think he has the highest ceiling. He has the highest floor. I uh, just with the pricing, the way it is on these two game slates, you're just, you're playing glass now here. Like you're just doing it. Like I, I get game theory and all that stuff, but I think there is less than 25% chance that the optimal for this day, the winning lineups have no glass now. So, and I could be crazy wrong, that's fine. Zach Granke on the other side here. Granke's been fine this season. 3.3 XFIP, 23% K rates. Uh, he's really, really struggled with righties. Um, he's been really decent against lefties. Been kind of reverse splits this season, you know, using a, a sinker slash fastball changeup mix to, you know, keep left-handed hitters off balance. Um, but against righties, like his slider is is good, but like they're just tagging his fastball and his curveball and his sinker. So, you know, you look at 
the numbers against the two and like just righty right-handed hitters are just they're just hitting his fastball at such a high clip like they're not whiffing whatsoever they're hitting it very hard and far um and just like lefties he's using the sinker about 25 percent of the time against lefties this season and lefties just really haven't been able to hit the sinker so i i like the rays here a lot um i don't like granky as much as i like um urias and like i really could see playing kyle Wright over granky too I just don't love Granky in this spot. I don't see the ceiling. They don't let him go deep into games, even when he's pitching well. Uh, as far as like the Tampa batters here, Brandon Lau, a uh, uh, Rosarina, um, Yandy Diaz was like super low owned, um, super low owned. So I, I don't even mind him um, in this spot. I think he'll be low owned again. You know, like if Margot cracks the lineup, I, I don't mind him. Like some of these righties, like I, I like some of these righties just because like people just want to play platoon so much. Like I like the lefties too. I like Meadows. I like Wendell. I like Lau. I like Kiermaier. Like I like these guys, but I, I feel like we can get, you know, a little bit of leverage playing some righty righty matchups here. So I, I like Tampa a lot. They're my favorite pivot um, off of the Dodgers on this slate. And then on the Houston side of things, Listen, Glass now probably gives up one or two bombs. Um, where are they going to come is always it's always um, it's always fun to try to figure where where they're going to come from. Like he's a guy that gives up, you know, almost on average over a home run per start. So, um, I want if I'm if I'm playing these guys, I want right-handed power. I want Springer. I want Bregman. That's where I want to beat Glass now. Like, I still think Brantley and Kyle Tucker are in play here. Um, don't get me wrong. But Glass now gives up a ton of fly balls to righties. He gives up a lot of hard contact to righties. And he strikes out righties at a 39% clip. So, um, I want to attack him with right-handed hitters in the spots. Uh, I think that's where you want to try to get your home run. Like Springer is priced up there with like Bellinger and Acuna and a Rosarina. I don't think that Springer will get a ton of ownership here. You know, Bregman is the second highest priced third baseman on the slate. Righty, righty matchup against the chalk pitcher. So if you're playing glass now, which you probably are, it is not a bad thing to take one or two Houston bats against him. Like, for instance, on um, Tuesday, I played Yarbrough, and I still played Tucker and Brantley. And I talked about how I thought Brantley and Tucker would both be, you know, somewhat low-owned. And, and they were. Like, they were both under 20% in almost every contest that I entered. So there's a lot of different ways to be different on this slate. Um even on a two-game slate, there's a lot of ways to be different. So, should be a fun one. Love it. Um, you know, we're running out of baseball slates. We're running out of baseball, which always makes me sad. You know, love baseball. Love playoff baseball. It's always fun to watch. And, um, yeah, so that's going to wrap it up here for Wednesday. Again, appreciate um, Sean Newsom coming on, talking some specialist stuff. Again, make sure you guys are checking that out here on Rotor Grinders. Like, we're running – 
out of stuff to play DFS. So it's a great time to crack open that specialist package. And um, listen, these guys are the best. Like their projections are awesome. I've used their projections for tennis and other stuff and their projections are awesome. So make sure you guys are checking that out. That's going to wrap it up. Hope you all have a wonderful Wednesday. Good luck in your contest and we'll see you again tomorrow.